All right, guys, as you know, the show is called Becoming Next on Teen. So I'm all about sharing who, what, and where is next to know about. Before I bring on my amazing guest, I want to inform you about a new amazing drink that I discovered called Drink Sound. If you're into sparkling water and tea, this is a combination of both. They have no added sugars. It's purely made with tea, no artificial flavors, and they are certified organic extracts. So if you're open to trying something new, now is the time. Check out Drink Sound and use code NEXTONSCENE at checkout. You not only support the product, but you support the Next On Scene podcast and you get 20% off. So I look forward to hearing if you like it. Definitely let me know. And let's get on with my new amazing guest for the day. Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zook. It is another awesome day for another awesome episode of How to Become Next on Scene in your field of business or in your passion. Before I bring on my amazing and inspiring guests, I always like to start with a marketing tip to get your week started and a self-care tip to keep your week going. Marketing tip of the week. Um, today on my podcast, we talk a lot about this, but it's come up multiple times um, with clients and people I've connected with. There is so much importance in personalization when you're reaching out to media, when you're reaching out to make connections for potential clients. People really, really are missing the details of like reading people's posts and really catering to what people actually are saying and doing. It is so important to really pay attention to that because that's what's going to separate you from your competition. It's what's going to separate you to stand out and be different um, because not enough people are doing that. So when it comes to media outreach, when it comes to even just reaching out to potential people online for partnerships, collaborations, new leads, really, really pay attention to what people are saying and personalize and learn more about them before you do your outreach. It will make such a difference in the long haul. That's my marketing tip of the week. My self-care tip of the week is... Um, what is my self-care tip of the week? Well, my family is now all through COVID. That's a positive. So we are just starting to get back into routine. But I have to tell you, this one, um, knock on wood, has not been as bad. Like I was able to work behind the scenes the whole time. Um, to anybody that has gotten it or hasn't, I'm sending all the positive vibes. It's just not fun. But thank God, you know, the world is a little healthier and in a better place than it was a couple years ago. So you will get through it if you're not feeling great. I'm just sending all the positive vibes. Um, so now I'm really excited to bring on my amazing guest today, Nicole Estefan. Nicole is an amazing journalist, writer, producer. She's talent on The Chronicle on ABC. Today, we really talk about the power of perseverance and also, you know, the trends that have come with television and how people view it now, where people stand with that. Also, you know, we talk a lot about how media... Um, is transitioning with how to reach out to journalists and really pay attention to, you know, how the world's evolving with social media and how to be found. It's really not about followers. It's about the quality and the story. And I'm so excited for you to meet Nicole. She's so amazing. Definitely give her a follow afterwards and stay tuned for the amazing Nicole Estefan. ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.
Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. I am so excited to be here with the amazing Nicole Estefan, who is an awesome journalist, writer, producer, and talent for The Chronicle on ABC. Hi, Nicole. How are you today? Hi, everybody. I'm doing great. And you? Good. I'm so excited to have you. And it's fun to like reverse the tables because you're constantly interviewing people. And I was like, Nicole, I want to interview you. Like, I feel like you always interview people. <laughs> yeah. And I never want to be in the hot seat. So this is definitely uncharted territory for me, but I'm going to try to reverse the role and be cool about it. <laughs> I love it. I'm really excited. And like, thank you for taking this opportunity because you are awesome. And I'm really excited for you to like meet my audience. So tell us a little bit about like how you fell into the world of journalism and producing. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I always had somewhat of an interest in it. I remember um, I was sick. I was in first grade and I was homesick. And it was the day that the Challenger went down the shuttle. And so I'm at home, just like glued to the television, a little kid, right? No one else is around. My grandmother was babysitting. And I remember even at that young age, just kind of wanting to know more about that story and wanting to know the background. And then I just kind of became obsessed about telling stories and what's behind them and asking. I think my parents would tell you that I've always been incredibly curious and I always wanted to pursue uh, the journalism field, but we kind of had a map when I grew up, right? There was a certain way to do things. You had to go to college. You had to become a certain thing so you could save money and have a good life, right? I was still among that generation and it was just never something I foresaw that I could ever make happen for myself. So I did that. I went to college. I got a job in sales. I moved to California. And then my mom got sick. I moved back to the area. And that's when I decided, you know what? I'm going to pursue this. When life throws you stones, like you got to make them work, do something for you. So it was during that transition period that I went back to um, school for journalism at Emerson and then started in this field. So awesome. And obviously, like, so where, where was your first job in this arena? Oh my God. This is when you still had to go to tiny, tiny, tiny little towns. So I was in Utica, New York. <laughs> Utica. So do you remember like the first thing you reported? Like, what was that like? The first thing I reported, I remember it was a, oh yeah, I do remember. It was a truck. It was breaking news, which you never want to be your first story. <laughs> and it was truck into a water. Like it was icy. I was freezing. It's Utica, New York. Upstate New York's always freezing. So below whatever, I don't even know. And I was so nervous and the mouth's getting dry and now my lips are frozen and I couldn't talk. I couldn't breathe. You know how you get that like cotton mouth when you're really For nervous? Sure. For sure. It was the worst live hit I think that ever aired on television because <laughs> I couldn't even move my lips. And to this day, I wish I had it because it, yeah, it's terrible. But they gave me another chance and here we are. <laughs> there you go, right? Like look how far you've come since that point. I think everybody's got to start there. I mean, that's the truth, right? <laughs> So funny. So how long like were you in, like, did you have to move around like the little towns before you really got the job that you wanted? Yeah. So I think it took me about it took me seven or eight years to get back to Boston. And then from there, another couple of years to get Chronicle. Huh. That's so yeah. interesting. So what would you say like, was has been one of your favorite episodes you've ever, or people you've ever interviewed to this date? Like, can you share about mm -hmm. that a little bit? Yeah. So I do have a couple at Chronicle. I'll start there. There was a gentleman named Brian McMasters and I met him when he was in the process of getting a lung transplant. He was waiting for a lung and I was able to follow him for the months that led up to that. So to really take myself and my audience through the entire journey, we didn't just parachute in and, and leave, which is what a lot of journalists do. They capture a moment. We were able to live through that entire process with his entire family. And we were there 
when he got his lung transplant in the hospital room right before he got wheeled down. I think it was to me to be able to connect with someone in that way for them to allow us in and that kind of vulnerable moment was incredibly powerful, uh, not just as a, a journalist, but really as a human to be witness to that and have someone willing to let us in for it was pretty powerful. I love um, that. I also love that, Don't I don't mean to interrupt, but that you yeah, were no. able to kind of follow the journey because you were saying like a lot of them can only do like a small portion of that. Like what goes into getting approval for something like that? Uh, luck. (laughs) It was because I feel like there's like, there's a long process, right? Like I'm fascinated by that. I think if you're working for the right person in any field and this isn't just journalism and they know you're passionate and your intentions behind something are really good. You, that's a lucky find and they're going to let you thrive and grow. And I think that's, I was working with an incredible team. My boss was very, very cool and open to that. So I love that. So as a journalist, like what are some of the, like your favorite things to cover? Like, obviously that was very like health focused, I'm assuming. Right. And like family. Yeah. Yeah. I like the human interest stories. I've always been inspired by people. And I think it's the way we connect. It's the way for someone at home on their couch, who's feeling really alone in a moment, whatever that emotion is to find somebody else that they don't even know and really connect to that person. And for me, those are the moments in life that really pull you out of something or show you something or motivate you, inspire you. You know, I've always said to everyone in life, like nothing is completely original, right? We all are learning from each other and taking these little nuggets and then creating our own things. And so, yeah, I think that's what I like. I like the stories of inspiration. I also like the fun stuff. I mean, right. We're out there and have some fun and make people laugh. So yeah. So true. So what, in terms of like prep for production for you, like how long does it take to find talent, prep a show? Like, what does that look like? So four days. Four days. That's impressive, Nicole. Is that, so I mean, that's four days. <laughs> <laughs> so four days to before filming, four days of shooting, four days of post and four days about it. Wow. Yeah. So we turn them pretty fast. Um, I think it's a 17 minute show when all is said and done when you take commercials out. So yeah. So interesting. And do you guys mainly, so for people who don't know what Chronicle is, because this is more of like a, not just, how can you talk more about what the Chronicle is? So Chronicle is the longest running locally produced news magazine, right? So if you're thinking on a larger scale, the 2020s or CBS Sunday morning, those kind of programs, Chronicle was the first to be doing anything like that before the travel channel, before discovery, before the food network, we were the ones doing it. Um, so basically it's long formats on every night, five days a week. And we've been on for 40 years now. Yeah. It's younger than I'm going to give away my age totally, but it's actually younger than I am, but (laughs) 40 years. (laughs) You funny. No, that's awesome. What a, I never, I honestly never knew that at all. So that was like a fun share. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. They're actually doing, um, road work outside my house right now. So sorry. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> we hear everything on this, uh, on the show. It's no problem at all. <laughs> so tell me more about like, um, in terms of topics, like things. So obviously human interest, like in terms of trends, right? Like what are trends that are coming up that are really kind of peaking journalist interests right now? Like, cause obviously people pitch media all the time, right? Like, can you give advice on like what you absolutely would toss to the side versus something you actually would give, pay more attention to? 
it's always, no matter what, I would say one of the biggest trends and changes in journalism is social media, right? We're finding more people on social media. We're doing more stories about social media, like everybody else. Um, But I think the important thing for us in journalism versus, you know, an advertiser who's using someone on social media is that we, we want the backstory, right? We want someone who has a really interesting story behind them. What are they doing? We care a little bit less of, oh, they have, you know, 50K, whatever followers and more about what was their story that got them here and what's their unique play to it. Anything of interest, that anything that would pique our interest to stop on social media and look at something is, you know, material for a good show. Right. Anything that would do that. Um, But just the good story behind it. I mean, I just say with everything, we're not an advertising platform. So I have a show airing uh, this week called Med Tech. I like the technology. It's of interest, but I want a story to go with it. And Mm -hmm. that's always the most important thing. Right. Um, Something that that makes us go a little deeper. I love that. And I feel like a lot of people, just because I'm in the PR realm, like they don't know how to pitch properly. And that's why like, I love like, thank you for sharing because I think a lot of people pitch to pitch without story. They just expect to be seen, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Love to hear your feedback on that. I'll say this. I mean, if someone makes it, it's like anything in life. If you can make it easy for someone, it's always good. Right. Cause we're turning things so quickly, but the number one thing, a lot of PR agencies will pitch me. They don't know what our program is. They don't know our format. So we know they're just, you know, and they've got a lot of work to do, but it's sometimes it's not even something that would air on our show at all. So if they even like looked it up, they'd know. And sometimes like, we get a little annoyed by that because it's just, you know, filling our mailboxes with stuff right, right. and it's not, we're not even their target, right? It's like For anything sure. else, know your target. But yeah, I'm pretty much just like anything. It's connecting with people. If you send me an email, I'm going to look at it right away, right? Right. Because <laughs> I know you. It's just like relationships, right? Like I yeah. feel like, like I have my own publication and I get pitched all the time. And I'm like, if you're not paying attention to anything that we do, why would I care about what you have to say? Like I'm right. going to... Like you got to show you care a little, right? Like, right. Or PR people who care about the story and you know them right away because they understand it. They know who they're pitching. They know all the background, you know, they, if they care about whatever it is they're representing, then we likely will care too. Right. Right. I mean, it's having a passion for it, but yeah. We'll talk more about like your story. So like perseverance, obviously I would love to bring up today because I really feel like that's like totally got you to where you are, which I think is so inspiring. Like what advice would you give to somebody like in your shoes? Cause journalism takes a long time to grow in the industry. Mm-hmm. So like what advice would you share from your journey? Like things that you, I mean, obviously nothing's regretful, right? But like, just right. like would be open to sharing. Yeah, I think uh, one of the words that I learned pretty early on, and you really need to remind yourself, is that we work in an industry and a lot of, like, a lot of them. So I think because one person rejects you doesn't mean that you don't fit in the world of journalism. It just means that this person and their opinion doesn't feel like you have the voice or the look or or the experience to be at their station. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard, and it's hard to put yourself out there in that way or in any way, really, and get rejected. And remember that a no doesn't mean no forever, mm-hmm. right? So and a no certainly doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It's just no right now. Right. And that's that's what I would, I had a really hard time and I struggled with because you get a couple of rejections and you want to just shut it down and right. say, oh, well, it's not for me. And it's really hard to remind yourself that it doesn't mean anything about you personally. It's just a moment in time. Yeah. 
And I believe like in timing, right? Because you moved back mm-hmm. here and you, you applied again, right? That's what happened. You applied to the Chronicle again. And that actually you were moved, weren't, something happened. You weren't even, you didn't even care about the job anymore. Yes. Up, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's like, right. Yeah. That's when it came back, right? Yeah. When you don't care, when you're walking out the door, oh, you're yeah, like, no, come back in. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And I felt better about it than I would have felt if I got the job five years prior. I felt more qualified. I felt more confident. And I was really able to bring my energy and my creativity to a position where otherwise I would have maybe been asking more questions and been like, is this okay? I just brought it because I was like, well, at this point, I mean, if I don't have it, I don't have it. <laughs> I it. So like for you personally as talent, like interviewing like the, the people on the show, like what goes into that process for you? Like how do you prep your people you're interviewing? Like what does that look like? Yeah, I think for everyone, it's a little different. For me, I'm just more of let's have a conversation and see where it leads. There are certain topics always that you need a little bit of background information to start the conversation. And you also, just like I was saying about someone knowing our show, I don't want to go in and insult somebody by never having read their book or never having seen their product before. Um, That's just a waste of time. But I do think that a lot of it's just letting them lead. And like I said, I'm so focused on their story versus what the actual event is that brought us there, that it's kind of a nice way to just engage and find out more. I just kind of wing it nowadays with with that element of it, though. I don't really write questions down unless it's something really serious. I just talk to people, I right? What's, I mean, and close. it comes so naturally to you, right? So it's just like, it's uh, that's so easy, like secondhand nature at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, and the biggest part of the job is listening. Right. So if you're listening to someone, you're going to know what the next question is. Right. So, and you don't want to be so focused on, okay, I wrote these 10 questions down. I've seen younger journalists get really focused on that. Somebody will say something amazing and there's no follow-up because they're so nervous and focused on, I got to get this in, this in, this in. Doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So. So true. So you literally, like in terms of like booking talent, it's only like days before you shoot. Oh, days. Yeah. <laughs> days in fact I'm looking at show for next week at this point like no big deal right did the did the people on the other end get like super nervous about that no I mean I'm nervous I have a show next week that just fell through so I've got two days now to book all my talent and it's like okay I get nervous a little bit but that means you're like in the right place right like I feel like nerves are good nerves like it's right right exactly exactly and you realize it all comes together we are blessed at chronicle to be working on a show that most people actually want to be on right Right. i mean we're not coming in and asking these like you know hardball questions and trying to do a different kind of investigative journalism so we're lucky in that sense Cool. All right. I want to talk about some like fun facts about you, Nicole, because you're so awesome. <laughs> so first of all, you worked for NASA, right? Like, yes. please elaborate more on this. This was very cool for me to find out. <laughs> oh my God, it's such a long story. I'm going to try to be brief. So you would think I love talking about myself and I was just like, I'm never in this love, this seat. But all right. So I quit my job in Atlanta as a news reporter, moved home with no job and a girlfriend, again, timing, a girlfriend of mine who had been at an Atlanta, Atlanta radio station who I met at a networking event came to take the news director job at a little radio station on the Cape. And so I was on Cape Cod, feeling bad for myself, drinking a little bit of wine. What did I do? <laughs> I just moved all around and I like gave up my career. What am I doing? And she said, Nicole, I have a media event for NASA at Woods Hole. Will you please go cover it for me for free, right? As a favor. And I said, no way. 
Like I'm not getting, no, I'm not headed down to a dock. I don't even have my clothes. They're still in Atlanta. Like, no, not going to just get down there. So I put on the one outfit I have, which is like these stiletto heels to go to a boat dock. Ridiculous. And my little dress and I go on trip that they were doing, which is going out to sea for a month and doing this amazing science research. And he brings out a piece of cardboard that you would have had at the science fair when you were in eighth grade. And I'm thinking, you work for NASA. Like, can you make the thing move or do something? (laughs) Make it fun. Yeah. And so I'm at a stage in my life where I was feeling, like I said, I had nothing to lose. So I went up to him after and I said, I'm sorry, your presentation. Can I say bad words on this or is this family? Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) I said, your, I said, your presentation sucked. (laughs) And he looks at me and he says, you know what? You're right. And he takes me on a tour of the boat. He goes, what are you doing for the next month? They were leaving the next day. I haven't been out to sea. I said, nothing. I'm unemployed, actually. He's like, would you like to come with us and see what we do? And so that began a very long and awesome friendship. And I was able to go back with them a year and a half later and film and do, you know, a little documentary. And I still am with them today. Like we still go back and forth and talk about ideas and and try to make science interesting to the viewers. So so yeah. cool. So you had to do this at sea, right? Am I right? Yeah, at sea. So that's what another was that like. Uh exactly how you would think. So 30 to 40 foot waves march, and it's the North Atlantic, which is some of the most vicious weather on the planet, on the planet. And we had like 30, 40 foot waves. I was deathly ill for most of the trip. Oh my god. <laughs> But I also have that will every journalist does. Like I wouldn't let anyone see me fail. So I got up every day and I did the thing. I did the thing, you know, whatever the thing was. Um, That's how you know it's your calling though, right? Like like you just know, like that's really inspiring. Like, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Especially when your friends are back home going like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I will note NASA would never have hired me if it wasn't for that like brief invitation because I got to see in science. But like I said, there's always a back door. There's always a back door. I love it though. Like the fact that you were so blunt and honest, like look where it got you. Like that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's what, what a fun people, share. Everything in life, vulnerability gets you there, right? It's but so it's true. hard to do it. It's true. It's hard to do it. So yeah. Well, it's paid off for you every time it looks like. So that's super. Yeah, you're going to get close to rock bottom to make those right. moves. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> a glass of wine will help with that. Yeah. A glass right. of wine, being right. on the Cape near winter will get you there. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> okay. So you won a game show. What was the game show you won? Uh, Street Smarts. You're too young, I, I think. I don't think I'm yeah. too young, but tell me what it is. <laughs> it went off the air pretty much after I was on it. Um, Street Smarts. So it was like Jay Leno used to do the skip, but the game was they'd ask people really kind of obvious questions and you had to guess who got it wrong or right. That was the, that was the show. So you had to have some intuition of whether somebody would get this question right or wrong. And that was it. So I won, I think there were like three rounds of the show and I won 10 grand. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. After college. And of course he, he asked me after, what are you going to spend this money? I said, I'm going to pay off my college debt. Who wouldn't do that? And the next day I went to the car lot and bought a car. Whatever. Either (laughs) bad decisions no good decisions now you had a new vehicle right like that's right that's right so yeah that was a lot of fun I recommend it to everybody yeah that sounds really fun like super wait so what went into that application process was it like a big thing or 
Yeah, they asked us about 50 questions and they wanted you to be a little sarcastic and funny because that was the vibe of the show. And so I had my friend who was a stand-up comedian at work fill out the the answers for me. (laughs) So smart, brilliant. (laughs) Utilizing the team and sent it in. I got called in and I was the extra in case somebody didn't show up. And then they called me back a month later and I was on the show. Yeah. Freaking awesome. Yeah. That shot like in California when you were there or? Yeah. Yeah. In LA. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's still, somebody had told me it still airs on one of those television stations. No one watches. I don't know. Some like history, TBS, something. I don't even know. I need to like look this up after we chat today. I'm going to be so fascinated by that. That's hilarious. I should have sent you that picture because it is really, it's a um, If you find it, please send it to me. I would love to. Oh, I have it. it. Yeah. Well, send it to me. That's hilarious. Okay. And this story, this um, fact made me laugh that Apple stickers make you ill, like physically ill. <laughs> yes. Physically ill. So, okay. So not stickers like of apples, but the stickers they put on fruit in the grocery store. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, like people peel them off in places, counters, like on the side of things while they're eating it. They do it at work, not at Chronicle. (laughs) But the whole thing, and people have tested. I have a whole, I have proof of this. When I was in Utica, New York, the other reporters thought it would be funny. So they covered my chair in Apple stickers and I threw up. You're serious. Yes, like my initial reaction was to gag and puke. Yeah, apple stick. So where did this traumatic thing come from? Like, I need to know. (laughs) I was a swimmer growing up and everything's moist and gets wet. And somebody on my team used to put them under the rim of her hat. And I remember they're always like peeling and a little dirty. Yeah, I'm sorry. She's a doctor, a surgeon now. She's brilliant and great. But that was not, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that stung you for life basically <laughs> hilarious the trauma from that is just stuck with me forever yeah hey, whatever I've never thought about that though until you brought that up like they're everywhere like people really do peel them off and put them I mean I've so been guilty of that I'm not even gonna deny that I yeah I, I can't take it I actually can't take it Andy Rooney actually from 60 Minutes he used to do a thing at the end of the show um may rest in peace but he did somebody send it to me? He did a whole segment on this on this issue of fruit stickers. You're serious? Not of people getting sick, but of like no, how no. annoying they are. Yeah. <laughs> you, I love that you know these random facts. It's how you know you're good at your job. <laughs> I'm just putting them out there. That's hilarious. Okay, so before we close out, I do want to talk about like the trends around like the transition of TV and where audience comes from. Yeah, growing that. Can you? Are you open to sharing? Yeah. Um, I, I hope this answers your question. I'm not sure. I think the biggest trend is the format of television right now and how everything is going to streaming and how in television we might be able to adapt to that. It's really hard to know exactly what format will be the future of news specifically, what people will want. I personally believe, and I think it's going toward they're going to, it's like, choose your own adventure. I think they're going to go directly to the TV and pick out certain stories they want. So instead of the the traditional long format newscast, I think we're going to have to chop up the work that we do into these little segments. People can go on their television and do that. And we are starting to stream in our field. So I think that's the biggest trend of change. That's, I don't, that's really good. Yeah. 
So I think the format definitely, I don't know if you mean just topics, trends. Is that more what you're... I was thinking more of like where the viewership's going. I mean, that pretty much answered that question because everything now exists. Like there's Netflix, there's Apple TV, there's Peacock, there's, you know, like the standard news channels. Like where do people spend their time now? It's so, it's becoming more and more saturated. It is. And I think during COVID, we saw something interesting. We saw people turning back to TV news. They wanted that nightly newscast. They wanted to listen. They wanted to know what was going on. They also had the time. They were at home. And Chronicle saw a big boost because people were looking to escape. Mm -hmm. And we do nice topics. And it was a nice, nice thing to do. But yeah, I do think it's an interesting time for television in general. I think that it's a, a true test. We've been through many before. It is very clear to me that the traditional newscast is not going to be the future of television. At least, I don't think so. I think that we really need to focus on streaming like everybody else. We need to get on formats where people are watching. I don't know about you, but so many of my friends don't have cable. I mean, they've just gotten so many names. I mean, I love old school cable, like news, like all. I love that. I'm like an old school type of concept that I like. That's what I like. Yeah. But I, yes, like a lot of people now don't pay for it and they just pay for Netflix or Hulu or like that's where they get their their TV. Yeah, I think the downside of that will always be that people tend to seek out things that already fit into their worldview. And I think if we're not getting journalism that's in direct conflict to how we may think, we're not really getting an idea of how the rest of the world is or not expanding our own views, which is so important. So I think, you know, the trend, if you will, is where are we going? Right. Like that's, that's our trend right now. On like YouTube, like, are you guys streaming there? Is that where you're putting your streaming? Where are you guys streaming? So we're on, it's called Live Local. It's on Apple TV. And so you can go into Apple television and actually download your local television stations. And so you're able to stream them. Um, And I know, I don't know if our newscast is, it is actually, yeah, our newscast is doing it as well as Chronicle. So that's one way we're streaming. And then we also stream live on our website. And yeah, I think this live local Apple TV is the future for us. That's where it's going. I've never heard of that before because I just still watch the news and you guys on TV. Like that's what I know, right? Yeah. And the websites. Like I feel like I'll go to the websites and view, but I've never heard of that new app. Has it been around for a while, I'm assuming, or... Um, I would say we just jumped on board probably in the last few months. So not really. Uh, I think it's been an option. And I, you know, I don't even know how to do it myself because I still watch it on the regular TV. But I know that it's available on the Apple streaming platform. So interesting. Yeah. It's gonna be hard for all of us, right? To really know like what our audiences are. You see the big numbers on social media. That's where you see them. And so it's going to be... Interesting to see where all of this falls. For sure. Hey, whatever. I mean, that's the power of being multiple places and not just one. Like that's something that I like to like tell clients I work with. Like you can't just be in place because if it goes away tomorrow, like what's the plan? That's such a key point. That's such a key point. And like I was saying, if you know, if you're one person's only going to one source, you want it to be on that source too, right? Right. So you want it to be everywhere. Exactly. Agree a hundred percent. 100%. I think in journalism, there's always that aspect of you want to have the rights to a story. You want to be the first one to have it. And you want to be the only one to have it in a lot of of ways. But 
I think in today's world, it's almost an impossible thing. You can still be the first to have a story, mm-hmm. but it's almost impossible to think it's just yours, right? Because sure. there's so many options and so many platforms. Are there like, just like, is there a way to protect the idea? Like, is that, is that a thing? For a journalist? Yeah. Protect it. I mean, if you have a, a big story you're working on, I mean, investigative would be the the people that deal with this the most. They just don't talk about it until it airs, right? And then once you, if you are the source, you're the first, usually have those connections. But it's so weird too, because it depends on what kind of journalism you're doing. And my journalism, my field, if someone's sharing their story and it's an inspiring story, I want more people to have it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. We want to share that story. We want to get it out there. Like you said, we want you know more sources to have it. If you're doing something that is investigative and you want the viewers to come to you, you're going to hold on to it. Right. Yeah. So it all depends. So awesome. Like, I feel like I've learned so much today. This has been so much fun. I want to ask you like three hot seat questions and then we'll oh be right? <laughs> it, it's just a really fun way for, it to, for us to get to know you better. So what is Nicole's favorite food? Well, what are the thing I eat the most is chocolate. So okay. I know it's what kind of chocolate, like dark chocolate. chocolate. Dark chocolate. Dark, real. I have shelves of chocolate, all different I love kinds. It. Of, yeah. <laughs> I'm a dark chocolate person too. It means you're addicted. Like the darker you like, it's because Is you it? have an addiction. Yeah. <laughs> We're addicts. I never thought about that. <laughs> you have like a favorite brand or no? Not really. I've been liking this Tony's. I don't know if you know this company. They're a really great company. They're big into saving the environment, giving back. Their employees are come from all different elements of society and it's a very cool company, but it's called, I shouldn't even promote them. I don't know them just so anyone knows, but Tony's <laughs> is excellent. <laughs> just honesty, right? We're just being honest here. It's That's great. Right. Great. That's right. Okay. Where is your favorite place you've ever traveled and bucket list place you've never been you want to go? Bucket list New Zealand right away. Cool. I've been trying to go there for a decade. It's like Chronicle. So someday I'll get there. Yes, definitely. Um, and Bora Bora on the way. Because you have to for New sure. Zealand. Right. <laughs> uh, my favorite, I have two really. So I went to Cuba before you were supposed to go. So that was an interesting experience. But also Nepal, I went there. That was the first time I ever traveled, traveled. And I was there for a few weeks uh, with family. And I went to a girlfriend's wedding. It was a 14-day wedding. I had never experienced anything like that. 14 days? Oh, yeah. 14 days of celebration. It was awesome. And it was just cool because that was the first time I went somewhere outside of Europe that really showed me a different culture in a different way. I grew up in a small town. I wasn't really exposed to a lot of culture in that way. So yeah, it's definitely the first time I traveled and it definitely gave me the bug, right? Oh, cool. So how far is Nepal by flight? Just out of curiosity. Oh my God, so far. I don't even remember. I don't know. I think it was like 14 hours. Actually closer. I went to Africa a couple of years ago and that flight was longer because you have to go. We went to Dubai and then we went. Yeah. And plus Mount Everest. We got to see Mount Everest. I mean, that's amazing to see in person. So So cool. Yeah. Yeah, You definitely have the travel bug. I love it. I'm jealous. (laughs) I need to to get back into that wheel. (laughs) Well, you have kids now, right? So like travel's different. (laughs) <laughs> right. But I'm still, I'm still going to make the time. I'm going to figure it out. That's right. right? Yeah. You have out. to. Like, your life can't stop. Your life can't stop. That's true. That's, that's, that's like true. what I'm learning. Okay. <laughs> final question. If you could interview somebody you've never interviewed dead or alive, who would it be and why? Okay. I don't know if this is a cop out, but I had the answer to that question, but then I got to interview them. 
So, so who was it? Yeah. So it was Maya Angelou. It was my, she was my mentor without knowing. And by that, I mean, I've read all of her work. I always watched every speech she ever gave, every poem she ever, I just loved everything about her. I used to try to emulate her, which you can't, her voice is godly, if you will. And I remember my mom knows this because that was my answer to that question always. Who would you have lunch with? Who would you interview? My Angelou, my Angelou. And you put something out into the universe. I come into the newsroom one day. I was in Atlanta and I came into the newsroom. I had just broken up with my boyfriend. I'll never forget this. Like didn't wash my hair, total greasy mess. Like everything in my life happens when I'm not ready. So (laughs) my assignment editor said, oh, she's so funny. She's this big character. She's like, oh my girl. She's called me my girl. She goes, I know you love Maya. She's in town. I'm going to send you down there to see what can happen, right? No interview set up. And so I go in and I get to this desk. She's at a big women's event. And I'm like, can I, can I, can I interview Maya? And they're thinking, who's this homeless person who didn't wash her hair today dressed like this, right? It was a little camera. And they're like, no, she's not doing interviews. And I was like, oh, okay. And I went and like soft off in the corner. And um, this woman, Kelly Jackson was her name. Still, I think she was in PR at the time. She recognized me from TV. And she's like, hey, do you want to interview Maya? She like whispered it to me. She's like, I'll get you in there. And she knew them apparently. So she brought me into this back room and it was just me, a radio journalist, Maya Angelou and her handler. And I didn't just interview her. Like we sat and we talked and I held her hand and she looked disappointed in me that I didn't know my Middle Eastern language. (laughs) Just like a grandmother would, you know? And I remember leaving that. And that was the moment in my life when I realized that if you want something enough, I'm not saying, you know, Maya coming into my life definitely would have happened, but I feel like the universe makes it possible. I do believe that, you know, you got to keep with it after decades of not getting the job or doing what I, I do think that energy comes back to you in some format, you know, I love it. but also I think part to follow up to what you're saying, like you kind of let go of the thought, right? Yeah. Like kept putting it out like nonchalantly and then it just kind of showed up. Right. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So cool. And she died two months later. So it's like the last time that really anyone interviewed her on television. And to me, it was just so magical. Do you have like right? a recording of that? You must. I do. Yeah. I do yeah. have a recording. And I quote every time I host an event, I quote her. I mean, I feel I like it. I have to honor that moment somehow. So I, I make this a part of my everyday conversation. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So now that you accomplished that goal, like who would be your next person? Elon Musk. I just kind of want to sit in a fascinating too. Yeah. I just want to sit in a room with him and like, just feel his brain. Cause I feel like his brain probably has energy. Right? Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> Elon Musk. Um, and I've also like, you know, I've always been really intrigued by Barack Obama. I don't know what I'd interview him about right now though. But if the opportunity ever came where there was like a, you know, I don't want to interview him about Netflix or the shows they're doing, like nothing. I kind of want to sit down and like interview him about his, you know, autobiography when he's kind of, you know, older. And yeah, he'd be one I'd want to sit and talk to. Yeah. Great one. You think about people like that who take on not only their own lives and roles in society for themselves, but a a whole wave of change, Mm -hmm. right? And to me, to take that on as a human is just would be completely overwhelming. Right. And so I, I'd like to know how how they really felt behind closed doors, you know? So cool. 
What's yeah. your theory then on like Jeff Bezos, like Amazon? Would that be somebody too? Or we interviewed him at Chronicle before he was big. You know that, yes. right? No. Yeah, he was one of our first interviews. We have the tape of it. Oh, yeah, my God. totally. Now, I don't want to interview Jeff Bezos because I'm just going to ask him personal questions about right. his love life. So right, I don't too. want to interview him. <laughs> That's the interesting thing about him to me. So, like, no, I have no interest in Jeff. that's hilarious okay so that's clearly then somebody you don't need on your agenda but that's so awesome he's the guy I want to talk to like at a social situation having a drink but not on right (laughs) like tell me about your I love it like all about his love life hilarious yeah we have him we have him on tape we interviewed him but yeah it's wild 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 to think oh how about you I didn't ask you the question I know it's your show but who would you interview I, I mean, I love Oprah. I'm like, I've been uh, a yeah. huge fan yeah. forever. Like, who's not a fan? I feel like everybody's a fan of her at some capacity. I, don't know. I know. I feel like because I got Maya, I don't need Oprah. Because right. I feel like to me, they were like, you know, she was kind of her mentor. So I got a little bit of Oprah at the same time. Right. <laughs> I also personally, like, I think Bethany Frankel is so like, she's, oh. she's, she's, well, she's in Boston. Well, because of her fiance, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, she's she's actually, yeah, she's interesting too. I just like all the nonprofit stuff she does. And I feel like that, that to me has been really inspiring. Yeah, yeah, no, she does some good work. It's often I find, I will say this, the people that I actually truly want to sit down and interview are people that I don't even know exist, right? I find them while I'm interviewing them and I think, oh my God, your story. This is amazing because I find a lot of people that are worth knowing and worth telling their story. Everybody's worth knowing and telling their story. But I feel like are these hidden gems that aren't getting promotion in big ways. They're just doing the work. They're in their communities doing the hands-on work. And so it's often I find the most inspiring people without even knowing, right? Without so even cool. knowing who they are. So. Yeah. This is why you need to be interviewed more. This is so good. Like you are creating such change, like in the human interest department for sure. Yeah, no, that's a big one. That's what I'm setting up next week, fighting back. So if you know of any good stories, I love it. Good, interesting people, send them my way. Love it. I will definitely <laughs> think for you. Nicole, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. So all awesome. right. Can you share Thanks. with them? Can you just share with everybody how they can follow you on social media or the chronicle, whatever you want to do? Oh yeah. So Instagram is at Nestafan, N-E-S-T-A-P-H-A-N on Twitter with the same handle. You can follow Chronicle on all the formats, Chronicle 5, at Chronicle 5. Be great. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in to Becoming Next on Scene and stay tuned for who's next on Scene. And don't forget, I hope you enjoyed our podcast with Nicole. But we also have an amazing drink that you need to try. Be sure to check out Drink Sound for their amazing sparkling tea. Next on scene at checkout for 20% off. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.